With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Welcome to Screen Talk, IndieWire's movie podcast. I'm Eric Gunn, the executive editor, joined by Ann Thompson outside at the Telluride Film Festival back in the mountains of Colorado. It feels good to sit here with you, Anne, and talk about movies, even though we've been in person for a couple screen talks since the world turned upside down, because Telluride is a unique experience. It's intimate. It's personable. We watch a shitload of movies over the course of Labor Day weekend. And but we also see a lot of people. <laughs> we see and a lot of people. We went up to the, the brunch, which is the opening day uh, ritual. Up, um, Everybody piles into a bus and goes up a windy, scary road up to yeah. the top of a, a mountain. I got to hang out with my traditional seatmate, Eugene Hernandez of the New York Film Festival. And, and I sat with some Sundance folks who were scoping things out for their edition in January because each time one of these things comes around, Everybody's trying to figure out, well, how does it work? We did can. That was a wild, chaotic experience. This is different. Now, we talked about this a little bit before, but it's, the story has developed a, a, a tad. Um, so can was a live film festival. The market was separate. It was virtual. They yeah, made that well, decision. It was, technically, it was virtual and physical, but nobody did the physical because of virtual. And content. then the movies that played at Cannes were also up for sale, and, yeah. and people were there you know, looking at them. But um, this festival is live only, and um, there is no... Uh, virtual component uh, although of course we've been given some links and some screenings, screenings before we got here which is why it's possible for someone like David Ehrlich our chief film critic to actually uh, appear to be reviewing one film after another right. yeah it wasn't just like he's got two brains or something or we cloned him but I have to say the other thing about what you're pointing out here is that it's not, one thing you realize when you're on the ground at a place like Telluride is that you couldn't do a virtual version of it. It wouldn't work online. It's it's so specific to the nature of the audience. It's this intersection of some regular folks who've just been coming here. They buy the badge and they just come to the festival and they're not in the industry. You have Academy members who are here just to watch movies for Some fun. of them didn't come. Some You have patrons and you have industry people and media people. I will say that there are fewer people here than usual. The uh, screening rooms are not packed uh, to the not gills with people turned away. Um, yeah. I would say that not even the one we just went to, which was probably the most in-demand screening I've been to so far, which was King Richard, because there's big word of mouth on it. They weren't turning people away. No, but, but it, I don't think crowd, any, I think everyone gets into yeah. every screening yeah, right yeah. now. Well, I'm not complaining about that. And there's still something like 50 media people technically here from what I hear. So I think it's something like 20% drop off from what they've, what they've seen in the past, which is significant. But this has always been sort of this exclusive yeah. festival, right? Yeah. So it is yeah. kind of working. And we're seeing movies that seem to work in a Telluride context. I mean, let's get into the movies we've seen so far because you could tell that All the right. festival is doing basically what it's designed to do from an industrial so the opening night was, forgive the expression, a clusterfuck. Yes. It was a bit so of a pancake. Impossible. To put it in gentle to, terms. to to because you know we want to be first. You know, there's three of us here, but um, there was Peter Dinklage tribute, which was going with uh, Cyrano, 
which is the um, Joe Wright musical uh, that is uh, really very, very good and a wonderful um, launch pad for uh, Peter Dinklage as uh, a, a best actor candidate. It's an Ann Thompson kind of a movie, it as is. we said in line earlier. Yeah, I was I, making I, fun I, of I myself, but it's it true. Too. I'm an Anglophile, I'm a Joe Wright fan. Joe Wright, this is the movie he was born to direct because this is the period, this is the guy who did Atonement, Anna Karenina, um, uh, Pride and Prejudice. Uh, he a certain Netflix movie that will not be mentioned. Woman in the window. He's recovering. He was licking his wounds. It's a good bounce um, back. And and so he went to see his wife Haley Bennett, who's a very gifted uh, actress, uh, with Peter Dinklage in this uh, show that uh, his wife Erica Schmidt was doing. This there's a couple of uh, husband and wife teams involved, and and he decided that he would try to turn it into a, a movie, and he shot it during the pandemic on this remote island in Sicily. Yeah, which makes sense because when you look at Village it, I mean, on the it's, island of it's Sicily. Quite a, it's quite a vacation kind of a production. Everything looks like, it's almost like a Mamma Mia type of backdrop in a way. Everything looks very romantic and art directed to a fault, which is what Joe Wright does well. But also the music was written by The National, so it's almost like a pop rock kind of a thing in the context of this 17th century, you know, swashbuckling wordsmith character that Dinklage is playing. And that's what's fun about it. I thought it was pretty silly in parts, but I did enjoy Dink what Dinklage Dinklage is doing. Dinklage is, gives a very moving performance, not wearing a long nose. It, you know, the whole point of Cyrano was that he didn't feel worthy of the love of right. Roxanne. And so there's some depth to this that's very moving. And Dinklage has been doing this since the station agent as the tribute that they did for him tapped into, which is basically playing these characters where it's not exclusively animated by the fact, by, by his height, but there's something that's often goes unstated, which is that he's ostracized. He can never be fully accepted as a person he wants to be in here. You know, he's in love with this it's woman. It's overt here. Yeah, but I mean, it's it's not like the entire, they don't, they don't, but they don't overstate always, it. it I, I appreciate it. Yes, 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 yes. It's very beautiful and it's very well done and very moving. And at the end, there's a sequence. Um, I would also say the music isn't, it isn't like Annette. It is not operatic. It isn't one of these things where it's wall to wall sound. I will give this movie an A and Annette a D Oof, and, that in is the musical quite a universe. And, and it's partly because Joe Wright is in complete control in a way that I don't think Leos Carax was. Well, but, the, uh, but it's also more the love story, the sincerity of the love story than the it, the music is expressing the emotions in an organic kind of way. Yeah, but I mean, Cyrano is a movie that is willing to be sentimental and, and that, because it's Leos Carax, would destroy himself if he had a touch of sentimentality creep into the movie. So they're fundamentally different experiences. But it's a fascinating point of contrast in a year when we are swimming in musicals and this one could actually do pretty well for, for uh, MGM. I agree, and I think that the Academy will go for it because it's got crafts. It's got production design, costumes, some music. It's got a lot going, and the actors will love it. So let's move on. The yeah, other movies. So, much stuff so in King one Richard day. was playing last night also. Um, so, this, this of course, uh, we've been hearing buzz about um, how. Uh, Will Smith is making a, a very, very big comeback here as an, an another Best Actor uh, oh, candidate. Oh, absolutely. I think he, he may even be some kind of a front-runner looking at what this movie is because playing Venus and Serena's very dedicated, very overconfident father, uh, is it's, it's one of those gambles where at first, obviously, you see the, the actor and you know him and he's playing a certain kind of kooky type, but he 
gradually makes the case for who this person was. And then in the credits, you see the documentary footage of the real Richard, and you realize how accurate the performance is. Yeah, and the director, so, tell us about, so so I love this story about how Jada Pinkett Smith, this is a project that was being developed by Will Smith and his, his their wife production and their company. production company. Yeah. And she picked up on this director. Yeah, so Renato Mark, Marcus Green, he's a part of a sibling filmmaking duo his brother his older brother Rashad Ernesto Green has also made some some movies and they they, they make indies and, and that's uh, what I was thinking of earlier by yeah, the way yeah right. I, I had liked his work earlier yeah, as well as Monsters and Men they have actually sort of a similar kind of naturalistic yes, style yes and, and it may be in part because Ray has said that he you know took a lot from his older brother but Monsters and Men went to Sundance in competition a couple years back and, and Jada was on the jury and that was a movie that actually really resonated for people last year because it was uh, it had a, a sort of a resonance with the George Floyd situation um, so a very tense story about police brutality but also just very well uh, very engaging kind of story in the sense that it had both the emotion but also the kind of the, the directorial intensity of somebody who had a real vision for it so it wasn't just falling back on sentimentality and you can see that coming to bear here and that makes sense that Jada would have said well this guy might be the person you need for this movie because actually Julie Hunsinger the director of the festival was right when she said it's both a kind of big family movie and it's sort of an art house movie it can work for a couple different I wouldn't mentality. say art house I would say it's a crowd pleaser a mainstream movie I think it's going to be a huge hit with the African American audience well that's huge. a no brainer and, and I think it could be a theatrical hit it plays really well and um, it has an authenticity and feels like it just rings but that's true that's the art house element is what I'm saying is that it is there is something cinematic to the way that he has directed a movie that is within a familiar mold, but it moves in a very organic fashion. But it's still, you know, upping the stakes all the time and making, you know, manipulating the audience with a certain kind of very mainstream soundtrack. Um, I don't, I don't think it's. It, I, th I think critics are going to be very positive, but it's not like it's going to be on the ten best lists at the end of the year. It's a hard movie for that to happen with because critics yeah. tend to not. And, and but it I, doesn't matter as far as Oscars are it. concerned. It doesn't. It doesn't matter. It's going to play really well. So Belfast is what I went to last night. It's the another Kenneth comeback. Branagh. This one perhaps behind the camera. What's interesting about this guy is that he's an actor first and obviously a great Shakespearean actor, Kenneth Branagh. He's got a huge filmmaking body. But he started board. out with really good um, indie movies that were were really. Um, I, I've always respected him as a filmmaker, and you know, for him to pull off Thor was yeah. was a big deal. It was but a little self serious, but he's, <laughs> sure. But he's he done. Up Taika. He's done a lot of Hollywood stuff, and I think he needed. Uh, so during the pandemic, he took the opportunity to dig into a true story from his past, which was the pivotal time in 1969 when he and his family were experiencing the troubles in Belfast, yeah. in Northern Ireland, and what happened. And it's black and white, and you could compare it to Roma. It is his Roma. I mean, I think like every filmmaker now who has a certain substantial body of work wants to make their Roma at some point. And it's not only is it black and white, but it's so clearly about his experience as a childhood in very specific ways, his relationship to his grandparents, watching these movies Karen like Chitty Hines Chitty Bang Bang. and, and uh, Judy Dench are really charming. I mean, b unbelievably charming, but so are his parents. Played yeah. by Katrina Bafe uh, of, out, of, of uh, Outlander. Outlander fame, as, as well as Jamie Dornan, who Jamie actually Dornan. was very good. Jamie Dornan, which I have to say, it is funny how last year 
nobody was really talking about Barb and Star and how funny he was in it. But he, he, that guy has range that is hiding in plain sight. I think the thing about Belfast is, again, I mean, it maybe it's Kenneth Branagh's Roma. It's not as it's not sophisticated Roma. in no, the same kind exactly. of way. It's very straightforward. It doesn't and, take but, as big a swing. Yeah, but it but it is. It's a smaller picture. It is involving. It's very well acted. It could have gone into more depth about the actual context. Well, but it's a kid's point of view. I think that's that part of it I actually appreciate. So it's more like Minari. Yeah, Minari is another point of view. Everybody's, everybody's trying to capture the, the children's POV on the adult world these days. Spielberg did it first, but uh, <laughs> he, he doesn't have a, mono- a monopoly. Now, did you see so. Come On, Come On? Haven't seen Come Neither On, Come On I. yet, so we'll have to report back on so that So that was one. last night, Those too. were all on top of each other, but and that's the thing. There's I mean, some, yeah, and then there's some canned movies that are... That are playing catch up for people a hero uh from farhadi uh was last night um and i and, saw and fauci Fle- which oh, is fauci very good yeah mm-hmm. so there are a couple of docs now that, that are that and are we saw cow and can cow the andrea arnold movie unfortunately she was one of a bunch of people who couldn't come flea is making a comeback after winning sundance so that's been that's been a big gap that movie was bought by Neon at Sundance, and that's a pretty significant it's one. It's a great to be movie, and it's going to be yes, it's going to be playing uh, big. Uh, it'll around, end up I mean, in the doc race, I'm sure. International. And it'll end up in the international race. Don't forget about animation. Is it Denmark? Is that yes, yeah. exactly. Okay. So if you and get all three of those, could, yes, exactly. Does right. that put it into the best picture category no, too? No, it doesn't. All right, well I'm throwing it out there because what the hell? It's tell you right. So we the rescue play last night, you got to talk to the filmmakers. Yeah, the Thai cave rescue yep, movie. I would say, I mean, the challenge with that movie and the story behind it, which is fascinating, is that they couldn't do what they did with Free Solo and be there for the action, so they had to figure out other ways to do that. So it does have a lot of reenactments, but the reenactments were done with the divers in a cave. So I spoke to one of the divers yesterday, and and he said it was in a tank at Pinewood, and and that they actually borrowed some set from some other big-budget action movie Hmm. uh, and used it, and, and so they recreated these sort of torturous uh, cave swimming uh, experiences, but there is a lot of reenactment. There is, but I think what's what's fascinating about it is that I followed this movie, this movie, this story so closely, like it was a movie when it happened. And there's so much that we didn't know about the moment-to-moment risks, how they talked about anesthetizing the kids, and the fact that they thought that wasn't going to work. And here's why it probably wasn't going to work, and it shouldn't have worked. And you really get that, and it is. They got them intense. all out and you you you, it's a nail biter it is very but it's also beautifully done and very suspenseful they did a good job so um um, there there is also we we have to acknowledge the fact that um, venice is going on right now and we're not on the ground there but we are sort of experiencing echoes of it from afar we'll get a chance to talk about power of the dog later we'll see it on saturday because they're going to be wending their way it already got rave reviews in Venice. So Jane Campion and Benedict Cumberbatch and Kirsten Dunst will be here joining uh, Cody Smith McPhee. You got to see Spencer already. Spencer, uh, yeah. So, so that broke now. I did, uh, yeah, and that, and that has broken and, and it's coming to the, they're, they're going, one of, going straight from Venice to here. So that's going to be one that I think will be really fascinating to talk to you about once you've seen it because like uh, the Will Smith movie, you have this very recognizable actress, in this case, Chris, uh, Kristen Stewart, playing somebody who is very well known, Princess Diana, but what Pablo Lorraine has done is created this very sort of boiled down psychodrama, it's all one location, and invented a whole bunch of stuff about the weekend where Princess Di decided to get 
divorce and leave the family. So it's this fantasy, dreamlike thing that is not what anybody would be expecting. And it's certainly nothing like The Crown. So I'm really excited to see how people talk about it. It's a beautiful movie shot on 16 million. I can't wait to see it. It'll be here shortly. Her her performance is the thing that that, that I think people will be really excited about. And then the other one is Becoming Cousteau, which is Liz Garbus, who you all remember from What Happened to Simone, the Nina Simone jazz documentary. So in this case, she's dealing with Captain Jacques-Yves Cousteau, uh, who you may remember from your childhood, uh, from all of those TV series. Um, and, and he with his little red cap and the calypso and everything. And, and so she, she really uses this extraordinarily rich archive of, of material because he was a filmmaker himself. Yeah. So she could get all this stuff uh, to use to tell the story without talking heads with a lot of audio um, of him, his wife, his kids, uh, and his transformation from someone who was basically exploiting the sea and enjoying it as an explorer because uh, he worked for the oil companies that's what funded a lot of the films and then he switched over to tv withdrew from the oil companies understanding that they were ruining the sea he was watching the sea he loved be destroyed and he became an adventure um, a real environmentalist um, and that, that it's a very very good movie i think both the rescue and becoming Cousteau could be a uh, Big players along with Flea in, in the dock race. Well, as you, you pointed out, what is it, 19 docks here? 18, 18 docks? 18 docks. So, I mean, it's going to be a competitive four season. from Nat Geo. All of them good. The Fauci is from Nat Geo, and they, Fauci they is very good. That, they leaned into that, to that opportunity that they saw, which was to come to Telluride and make a big impact after the last time they were here, or was it? With, with free solo so I think that it's just pretty it's pretty big deal to think about you know everybody sort of revving their engines for an award season that is still tainted by the pandemic but is perhaps n- not quite as hampered as it was before of course the academy itself is not here uh, they're not doing their usual thing because they chose not to come so Telluride itself took it over but it does feel like there are academy members here and the Telluride it effect they don't need to be yeah, here I mean, it's, it's about what we write and other people write yeah. and how the how the different uh, movies come out of here uh, with a certain kind of cachet and, and buzz and, and we've talked about this in the past Venice builds some profile that sometimes it gets continued to Telluride Telluride builds a profile it gets continued at the Toronto Film yeah. Festival Toronto builds a profile it goes on to New York something like Parallel Lives which is uh, was the opening night in uh, Venice is going to go on uh, to be the closing night at the New York Film Festival now the New York Film Festival is live with no virtual and Toronto is hybrid and uh, it's going to they're not letting us see a lot of the films so. but we'll get to see what we so need so Sundance is the one where they're going to try for hybrid to do hybrid and and it's going to be interesting to see if they can pull it off well I think that because it's the distributors and the talent who are demanding live screen what we've learned is that hybrid can work in certain contexts but as I said earlier there are certain ways in which you need the physical right and you look at the way Venice is playing like people are posting the standing ovation even Kristen Stewart stepping off the boat I know I love it I can't can't get enough that's part of the campaign for that movie right (laughs) it's already started and then they get on that jet and they come here I think there's such an obvious complementary nature to the way festivals play a role in this ecosystem both for the, the Oscar players for the distributors for Everybody. Oh, the you other can't doc, replicate that online. The other doc that um, Kate Urblend reviewed for us, or no, maybe it was Kristen, somebody reviewed it at IndieWire, and I disagree with their review <laughs> because it's, it's Wait, like... Wait, what movie are we ev- talking about? Julia. 
So Sony Pictures Classics has a few films here, and this one is from the people who made RBG, and it's Julia Child, uh, the great chef, uh, the popular chef, uh, the television star, and it, it is a, an escapist romance, and I'm not going to make claims for it as the greatest movie uh, documentary ever made, but it's actually really fun and sensuous and delightful and kind of an escape from a lot of the craziness we're living through right now. Well, I haven't seen that one. The escapism that I've seen at Telluride, which is completely outside of the paradigms of Oscars and all that stuff that we've been talking about, is Marcel the Shell with the shoes on. Uh, <laughs> I missed that uh, one. Some people may remember, it's this Jenny Slate viral video from like over 10 years ago. And this uh, this filmmaker, Dean Fleischer Camp, and her, what they do is she does this high-pitched voice for this adorable little character that's a talking shell and they actually made this mockumentary about Marcel who's this cute little shell but also lives in this empty house and you gradually figure out there used to be more shells and they vanish and you don't know why Marcel's life is actually kind of sad and lonely and uh, it's a it's a good little stop-motion movie that is doing things on on obviously you know in a very resourceful way to tell a fantastical story almost like a, a shoestring pixar kind of effect and i think it's the kind of movie kind of like when the assistant was here in 2019 that could then maybe get a distributor and resurface at sundance it's not going to come out there's no reason why it would come out this year it's a small movie but it will resonate for audiences here and there's some folks around here who are promoting movies they're going to put out who might see it and say oh next year i can do something with this so it's always nice to have those smaller kind of discoveries as well because that's also a really important part of this festival so well the other thing we're dealing with here this is one of those beautiful places in the world and there's um, various outdoor uh, events going on. Uh, we, we were spared the rain at the brunch, but it's raining on us right now. <laughs> Just a tiny bit. It's a mountain weather. It's so unpredictable. But we've got a long weekend ahead of us. I mean, the, they added a day to the festival, I guess, to kind of make up for, for lost time. And there's a lot of movies, over 80 movies, they've said, including some sneaks. Uh, and who knows what else might develop. But we've still got to see, like you mentioned, Come on, come on! The Mike Mills movie with Joaquin Phoenix. We still I want got to see the Duke, like um, yeah. which was uh, supposed to be here last year. So it's yeah. along with the the movie Torn, which is another doc. Mm -hmm. um, these are both films that they just agreed to hang on a whole year and, and, and book them a year later. And let's not forget, we got some dinners to go to. You have to go to do uh, your your Netflix COVID test at some point. I did mine. They hand deliver it to you this year. It's a whole new thing. But like I said, it can when we were spitting in vials all the time. You know, like you have to hustle at a film festival. So this is just one more thing. I mean, jump over the hurdle. All right. <laughs> Thanks a lot, a Eric. Talk right. to you soon so again. Next week. Yep. We'll have a lot more we'll to do. We'll do a, a real wrap up. Bye bye. Bye. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.